0: Digital Deacon Podcast Here is a bit of a disclaimer before this podcast. The thoughts that I want to share are a bit sort of random and rambling, possibly they've not really been properly thought out. I've not created a script in the same way that I normally do. Instead, I just wanted to share some of my thoughts as to what's going on and where I got to in my thinking about where we are within the Church Canada, how we're at the time of Sunday, and yet I can't seem to get my head around it and where we are now. I think I'm gonna leave it the way that it is. I'm not gonna edit it. I think it's important that within it is something of the messiness of where I am now and where we all are now. So sit back, have a listen and hopefully you'll find it helpful. As I know at least I have just been able to get the words out in the first place. There are times when you just want to just go, I think today is one of those times. Today is Palm Sunday, or in Wales, uh, and it's a Sunday where church traditionally remembers Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, greeted by crowds of people waving palm branches and throwing their coats in front of Jesus for his ride to walk over. I really wanted to do a reflection on the podcast about Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But for whatever reason, it just would not come. Who am I kidding? I know why it did not come. I spent the entire week and then last night trying to come up with something new and insightful to say about this particular story. And there was nothing. It resulted in me feeling down and worthless. I began comparing myself to all of my friends on, and colleagues in, in ministry, and this just made me feel worse. I could see them all over Facebook and Twitter, planning Zoom worship, Facebook watch parties, and other things to share the message of the Gospel. I just sat in my study and thought, I'm not doing any of that. Why am I not doing any of that? I'm dyslexic and the way that it affects me normally is like I'm trying to do something that everyone else is doing and can do it easily, but I'm doing it with one eye closed. I can cope and I can do things to make it easier and ultimately I can get all the same things done. It just seems more work for me and takes a bit longer. Now, though, the effect of the quarantine, it's like I'm doing things with one eye closed and one eye and one arm tied behind my back. And before I can do the things that I need to do, I have to learn how to do them as well. It feels as though everyone else is on the third or fourth lap of this race. And I'm still here trying to tie my shoes with one eye closed and one i tied behind my back. I could just not bother. But the thing is, this is a relay race as well. And there are people waiting for me to get on with it and get out there and get to where they are in order to pass on the baton. When I start wallowing like this, more often than not, the Holy Spirit comes and gives me a smack on the side of the head and realigns me with where I should be. It's like how in movies or on TV you see somebody whack a machine that's malfunctioning and suddenly it clunks into life. Well, that's me. God has been giving me some percussive maintenance Sometimes in the Bible, the lives of certain characters become the message that God wants them to share. So after my spiritual smack on the head, after all the tweeting birds and the stars had finished circling my noggin, it dawned on me that I was being the sermon. My life was reflecting what was happening in the account of Jesus entering Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem at the time was an occupied land. The people had all the appearance of freedom, but in fact, they were not free. At the moment for me, and I'm sure for many others, my life is occupied by the requirements placed upon me. To be fully me, to be free, I need to paint, and to write poetry. The first requires resources that I don't have at the moment, and I'm unable to acquire them because they're not seen as essential. And to write poetry requires time, which I also don't have, because of the need to be working from home, which requires more mental gymnastics for me than for my colleagues. Not least because I'm constantly fielding calls and emails on how to use the technology that everyone else is relying on. Like the Jewish people who were told by the Romans that they were free to go about their everyday business. I'm being told that I am free. I have more time to read, to build, to create, to tidy my study, to work to improve myself. Instead, though, the pile of books that I mean to read grows ever larger. The study grows more untidy, except for, of course, the area directly in view of my webcam. The model kits that I'm supposed to have time to build still lie in pieces. The exercise that I mean to do to get healthy requires space that I don't have due to the aforementioned untidiness. And a box of 15 chocolate bars I ordered on Amazon is going down rather quickly. I'm sat here calling out, Hosanna, save me, just as the Jewish people were. I want Jesus to storm into my life and to put everything right. But you see, here's the kicker. When Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, he didn't storm in. He came in riding a donkey. You don't storm into anywhere riding a donkey. The donkey is an important statement that Jesus is making. It is a prop and a shorthand, which changes the tone and impact of this incredible story of Jesus coming in as the true king coming at last to set his people free. The donkey, as Christ's steed, says simply, the battle is already won. Jesus is not a king coming to conquer. He's a king coming in victory to take his place. When a king rode a horse, he was riding it to war. When he rode a donkey, Peace had come, and the battle was at an end. This completed the story, the drama which Jesus was creating. Jesus came as a victorious king, coming to lead his people to freedom. This is the important thing. Jesus has not come with a loud battle cry not kicking out the Romans, not removing the occupying force. He comes declaring that the battle is already over. He is already king. And as such, this is a time for peace. Jesus comes to us all now, declaring peace into our lives. This does not mean that our oppressor is gone, whether the oppressor is workload, the pressure of responding to our current situation or the feelings of inadequacy when we compare ourselves to others who are coping so much better and telling us all this via face brag or the people spending their time effectively doing amazing teaching sessions with their children. Doing all of the exercises that different people have been putting up on the internet and on YouTube. The prophecy that Jesus stepped into on that day, as he stepped into Jerusalem, was from the book of Zechariah. And it's a prophecy for us here and now as well. It said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. When Jesus came through that golden gate into Jerusalem, riding a donkey, he came straight in at the temple steps. He came into the city as a king, but also as a priest. What was happening in this account is very much a collection of parallels of meaning. And they should bring parallels between this story and our own lives as well. It was likely that Jesus's parade arrived at a time which ran parallel to a very different parade that was happening around the same time somewhere else in the city. Many now believe that Around the same time, Pilate, having made his journey from Caesarea, had arrived in Jerusalem and was parading on the other side of the city with his Roman legion and riding a war horse, not a donkey, but a war horse. For us at this time, our oppression seems to ramp up a notch. As we flip on the TV or the computer or turn on our mobile phones, things seem to have gotten worse again and again. But Christ enters on a donkey, declaring peace and battles won. As the crowds in the story throw down their cloaks from their backs, it seems odd to us now. But maybe the closest similar story that we can think of is the story of Sir Walter Raleigh. When he saw that the Queen was going to step into a puddle, he gallantly acts, not wanting his Queen to muddy her foot. He removes his own cloak and lays it across the puddle. Now this act, if it did happen, may well have found favour with the Queen who, for a time, seemed to consider him a favourite. Of course, Walter could easily afford another cloak, and so this gesture seems to have been mainly self-serving. But for the people throwing down their cloaks before Jesus, it was a very different story. To start with, they were not trying to save the donkey from getting muddy in the puddles. Do you remember the teaching of Jesus, that if someone was to sue you for your shirt, you should give them your cloak as well? This was basically illegal to take a man's cloak to pay off debt. If a debt was secured on a cloak, you had to return that cloak by sunset. Many people only had the one cloak and it was seen as pretty essential living in the Middle East. It would protect you against the sandy winds during the day and provide you a blanket to keep you warm at night. And yet, here were people throwing theirs under a donkey, their most important, most valuable possession. This was also a statement For the eagle-eyed biblical scholars among you, you may have noticed the similarities with the story of when Elisha anoints Jehu as the king in defiance of the existing one, and people lay down their cloaks in front of him as a sign of their support. This support costs them something. Their support actually meant something. For us, with everything that's going on in the world, supporting Christ is costly, it's difficult, we can't do it as easily as we once did. Struggling to adapt to our new normal, we see our freedoms seemingly taken from us daily. But we're asked by Jesus to give even more. There's a joke going around on the internet. That goes, if someone asks you for your toilet roll, then give them your hand sanitizer as well. This is, of course, a paraphrase of when Jesus said, if someone wants to sue you and take your shirt, then give him your coat as well. This was Jesus saying that you could shame one who is persecuting you by going far beyond what the law required. By us giving more than we need and not taking more than we need, our actions shame others who are caring only for themselves. And it may make them think differently about how they act. We take our cloaks and we cast them before Jesus and he comes declaring peace within you. The people who received Jesus into the city, cut down palm branches and waved them as banners. This had royal associations. Judas Maccabeus, who 200 years before that, had arrived in Jerusalem after having conquered the pagan armies that oppressed Israel. He too was welcomed into the city by a crowd waving palm branches. And he was the start of a royal dynasty, which lasted over a hundred years. Indeed, the Herod family had intermarried with the Maccabean family. And the chief priests claimed a similar status. To add to this, the people are all singing out royal chants to welcome Jesus as the son of David. Hosanna to David's son, they cry. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The people are making a royal ruckus, declaring that the king has come. They didn't just remain silent as they received him. They shouted for joy. They let everybody know what was going on. What I really love about this is that in one account of the story, which I think is in Luke's gospel, Someone comes to Jesus and says, can you please get your disciples to shut up? They're making too much noise. Jesus responds by telling them that if you silence his followers, the very stones will start to shout. The world and and the current events are always trying to silence the followers of Jesus. Preventing us from meeting in person or from talking to people. But we will not be silenced. The buildings are closed. Fine, we'll go online. Can't go and visit people? No problem. We'll call, send letters, send emails. In the midst of occupation, Jesus comes. Declares peace and his people receive him with joy, we shout from the internet, we podcast his praises. And even if we get silenced, the stones of our buildings will declare that Jesus comes. Palm Sunday may not be the time for a traditional sermon. For what new thing can be gleaned from this familiar story? But I believe it can serve as an impetus for us to consider as we walk the way of Christ, walk the way of the cross, over the next week. How we can use the story which Christ has woven into us, our own testimony, the sermon which each one of us has to preach, to tell others of the wonders of God. When we share our testimony, Our story, something special, happens. This is why early Methodists would do this on a regular basis. Not always the story of how they'd come to faith, how Christ rode triumphantly into their lives, but how Christ has come to them in the last week and declared peace. I cannot do the same things that everyone else is doing. I can't be them. I can only be me. I help people to understand how to use things like Zoom and Twitter to share their stories when in the past they needed the pulpit to do so. I share the great things that others are doing, not feeling sad that I did not do them, but instead feeling thankful that they did do it and helping others to see what they've done. It may be hard to know what we need to do. It may feel that at times we are failing, but Jesus comes and declares peace. Stories have power, stories big and small. All of the stories which we could share at the moment about how people are acting to support each other in love and care. These are our stories and in those stories there is the thread of Jesus running through them. These stories have the power to change our lives, to overturn temple tables, to free and to restore and to declare aloud that Christ has come lowly and humble, riding a donkey, declaring that the victory has already been won, that peace is here, even in the midst of our occupation and oppression. So that's the story I've got to share, is that no matter how how bad things are getting, how difficult it may seem, how much we may think that we need to be doing the same thing everybody else does, Christ is still at work in the midst of all of that. Christ still comes. Christ says to each one of us, peace, I'm here.